You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Bill Ryder with you. A lot of NFL playoffs to unpack. We've got, it might be a little bit of a, a Monday, a braggadocio Monday. We've got a few we told you so's to get into. Some of you bet some of the suggestions we made. You're welcome so far. we got a little ways to go in terms of the certainty of the collapsibility of a couple quarterbacks. One lost yesterday. One will lose tonight. Uh, Tom Gazzellestino's hanging out, chilling, executive producer. Maybe we'll sneak in on what to sell at CBS on Twitter. Andrew Bogish will be with us in about 20 minutes at Andrew Bogish on Twitter. I'm on there, sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. If you want to call us, 855-212-4CBS. Brian McFadden's going to be on the show in an hour. We'll visit with him. Look, we're going to do almost entirely football over the next couple hours. Will we sneak in a little NBA, maybe in buy or sell? Sure. Did Diesel insist that we get some soccer, Barcelona, Real Madrid or something? Hell yeah, we will. But it was a very interesting, a robust weekend in the NFL. And really, almost in their entirety, all really good games. Certainly interesting games for at least early and long stretches. The Bengals held on to beat a pesky Ravens team 24-17. Never really doubted that Joe Burrow could do that. We'll get into that in some more detail. Maybe the the most interesting thing that came out of that game in Cincinnati for Baltimore was the fact Lamar Jackson didn't show up to the game. And I don't mean on the field. I just mean he wasn't physically there. Hell of an effort by a Baltimore team. But the real takeaway is, whether you agree or don't agree, you have Lamar Jackson healthy Maybe the Ravens win that game. It's certainly a, a different contest, a different football game. But all was not well, as you know, with Lamar and his team. The Vikings inevitably lost to the New York Giants. And here's where I'm going to, especially when Bogus comes on. Because Diesel, good morning, Tom, by the way. I'm sorry. Good morning. Happy weekend. Good morning, Being Bill. Over, but hope you had a good one. Yeah, Thanks. fantastic football weekend. Good morning to you. If I'm right... I think I told Andrew, who's a Giants fan, that his Giants were going to win. And I think Andrew, like all fans, didn't want to lean into that hope. It's the hope that kills you, Ted Lasso told me. And I believe him because he's a funny American guy in England, so that must be true. It wasn't the hope that kills you. It's Kirk Cousins on your team. (laughs) Am I right in just Andrew's skepticism the Giants were going to win that game? Uh, Yes, he did not want to lean into having confidence in Big Blue. We've recently in the writer household rewatched the Marvel movies that, that conclude with Infinity War and Endgame, and there's a line in there from Thanos. He says it like four times. I am inevitable. So is Kirk Cousins. Just not in the way that he thinks. I know the stats. He played so well. Okay, that's cool. We'll get into it later. Uh, His mere presence is the reason they lost that game. That's my take. Uh, Bills beat a really scrappy Dolphins team, and some criticism toward Mike McDaniel, certainly botch play toward the end of the game. But to be able to go in there without Tua Tagovailoa and compete in Buffalo, to me, speaks wonders about that coach, that team, and their future when they find their quarterback. And I hope that it's Tua for all the reasons we've discussed. Maybe it's somebody else. But a good football game. And we saw some of the liabilities and some of the weaknesses. Some of the reasons, even though I think Buffalo, my brother and his um, family are in town. So we're all watching football together. And I'm and, and they're 
Kansas City fans, Chiefs fans, and they're pretty optimistic. And I'm, I'm convinced, and we had this talk over and over over the weekend, that there are three AFC teams that can win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, obviously, the Bengals, certainly for me, and that's going to be my favorite in that game against Buffalo. But but there's no doubt no doubt the Buffalo Bills. My concern is the over-reliability on Josh Allen that we've discussed and his tendency at times this year to turn the ball over. We saw that over the course of the game. They win. It's a great win. They're going to play Cincinnati. They're going to play the Bengals. But, but, I'm not sure that they're the force that we thought they were earlier in the year. And then we get, I mean, the Niners beat the Seahawks. And by the way, they beat them soundly, but it was interesting for, for a minute. And Brock Purdy absolutely showcased himself as, I know Daniel Jones has teammates coming out and saying he's an elite quarterback. And I'm not here to hate on it. The guy let a comeback. The guy was really, really impressive. Brock Purdy looks like a stone-cold killer, man. An assassin and a winner in the postseason. Brock Purdy, I'm going to say it out loud, I don't care, is already a better postseason quarterback than Kirk Cousins in his career. I know Cousins beat somebody, the Saints, I think, a couple years ago. What a victory for the Niners, man. But it's the Jaguars-Chargers game that is an eyebrow raiser. I got a buddy, Brian, lives next door to me. Quiet guy, calm dude, right? His main passion is getting out the grill and grilling. I've never heard him raise his voice to his children. I've seen some crazy things in the neighborhood where he's pretty late. You know, one of these, like, California, it's all good, bro. But there are times when I will hear screaming. From next door, I will hear the shouts of anguish and anger, and it's when he's watching the Chargers game. And I asked him the other day, like, how's your confidence level in his face? He's probably my age. He's probably in his early 40s. He looked 80. As he said, he mumbled something. Because the Chargers are going to charge her. What a vicious and brutal and terrible loss for the Los Angeles Chargers. Look, I'm going to give the Jags the credit they deserve in a minute, and I've got a perspective for you on Trevor Lawrence and his ability to mount that comeback. But you cannot be up 27 points at any point in a football game, but but especially, especially somewhat later in the game and not find a way to win that game. It is the third biggest collapse slash comeback in NFL playoff history. And let me give you a little perspective on what that can do to a franchise and organization. Now, the 1992 Bills um, had a 32 comeback against the Oilers. I don't remember it. I was in middle school. I was probably trying to figure out why I was really interested in, like, Susan, right? Like, oh, these are confusing feelings. I don't remember that game that well. But I was at that game in Indianapolis in 2013 for the Kansas City Star as a reporter covering the team when Kansas City rolled into Indianapolis, got up 28 points, and lost that game. And the thing about that kind of a loss is it can break. The NFL is one of those leagues, as you know, you can turn things around pretty quickly. There are not massive swings the way there are in other sports. You can be in the doldrums in Major League Baseball and in the NBA for a variety of reasons for several years. It's hard to steer and turn that ship around. Not the NFL, but there's a psychological reality when you are a team known to lose games you shouldn't that then historically blows a game as a giant exclamation mark, a spotlight, a vindification, vindication, I'm making up words today because of Monday, 
vindication of the notion you can't win big games. It broke that Chiefs organization for a really long time. I was there. And the Jags' ability to mount a 27-point comeback against the Chargers is wholly and totally unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Whether or not you think, like me, Justin Herbert was, was injured earlier in the year and now is okay, or you think, like Tommy, was faking it and now he's okay, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you have injuries. doesn't matter if your coach played people he shouldn't have the week before. doesn't matter if he doesn't know how to manage a game late in the game. doesn't matter if, if Brandon Staley, the, the former one of many supposed wonderkins out there who might lose his job, gets fired or not, can't do it. And what's Staley going to say, the head coach of the Chargers, the guy that led Los Angeles to humiliation, not in losing, but on how they lost. What's he going to say after the game other than this? Anytime you, you're up 27 to 7 at halftime and you've got four takeaways and you end up winning the takeaway margin for nothing, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a killer. Uh, I'm hurting for everybody in that locker room. It's a special group of guys, and, you know, this is the toughest way that you can lose, you know, in the playoffs. Um, and uh, certainly with the way we started the game, that's, that's the team that um, I know that we're capable of being. And in the second half, um, we just didn't finish the game. And, you know, we're going to learn a lot from this. And, you know, um, unfortunately, this is the tough side of things. Our season's over. But um, I love everybody in that locker room. And um, this was a step for us. And um, we're going to grow a lot from it. Oh, you don't say. You, you think maybe the team that you can be is the team we saw in the first half that dominated every. Yeah, we all know that. We all saw that. That's why there's a lot of talk that you shouldn't be the head coach. What a juxtaposition of a coach who knows what he's doing in these moments versus a coach who does not, which brings us to the team that gets as much credit for the win as the Chargers should be criticized for the collapse. That Jacksonville team, who I thought would win, who I bet would win on the money line, my brother Bobby was mocking me for big parts of that game. Yeah, you're really good at NFL, aren't you? Thought you talk about this for a living. Never heard that joke before. And I thought, that I, I'm like, well, this is what it is. And I guess I got that one wrong. That Jacksonville team had every reason to give up, to feel broken, to be the mess they had been. And they did revert in the first half, especially Trevor Lawrence. You go as your quarterback goes when he's turned the ball over four times in a half. They were suddenly coached by Urban Meyer. It, it was as if Urban Meyer had somehow teleported himself to that Jacksonville sideline and had found a way to magically mire in dysfunction Trevor Lawrence in that team. Trevor Lawrence looked broken. He looked overwhelmed. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing. He looked like he never played quarterback before. He looked like me if I had been dropped onto a football field to play quarterback in the National Football League in the, I mean, any position, but the playoffs. And the ability for Doug Peterson to remain calm. And the ability, if you watched the game, you saw... And Tommy mentioned this, too, because it stuck out to both of us. You saw him say, basically, we just got to go slow. I think chip away was the expression. We just got to figure it out. Does Doug Peterson really think they're going to win the football game in that situation? I would argue, hell no, he doesn't. But I think he understands he's building processes. He is trying to convince his guy that there's approach to every situation and that you don't just give up and throw up your hands and go to the bar and dance with somebody a third your age and skip the team playing and just be like, that's what we're doing because we got down. That's just, maybe that's not the approach. Maybe you actually keep on fighting. And they did, and the momentum turned. And Trevor Lawrence, as remarkably terrible as he was in the first half, was extraordinary in the second half. You, you don't see many quarterbacks finish the day with a four-touchdown, four-interception mark. And if you didn't watch the game, if, you were, if you're box-scoring this baby, right, you've got other stuff going on, it would be hard to know how that's possible. 
it would look like two different quarterbacks, and that's because it was. But there was also a boldness that Doug Peterson and a confidence. And it's easy to say this, and you can roll your eyes, and it sounds like armchair psychological hooey. It's a bunch of hooey, writer. But we actually saw it on the field, the way that Doug Peterson was able to infuse his team with actual confidence, to inject into these guys. As, <laughs> I'm so gutsy, man. As Jacksonville was making that comeback toward the end of the game, you saw, you saw Doug Peterson decide to go for two to make it a 28, 30, excuse me, 28, uh, two point, let's not do the score because then I'll do the math, a two point game instead of a three point game. But if you fail there, obviously it's a four point game. He's going for the win. He's saying we're going to go for two so we're within a field goal range of winning this baby and if we fail, to hell with it, we'll have to score a touchdown let's just go. That is gutsy and it's certainly a lot easier and more probable to play it safe if you mounted the comeback because at that point, Doug Peterson's going to get credit, right? He's not going to get a lot of criticism. People, oh, He's building the right way with Trevor Lawrence's fault. But he's protecting not just his guys. He's saying, not a hell with it. We're here to win. We can do this. They convert. And then later in the game with the ball at, what, fourth and one with, it was under two minutes to go on the Chargers 41. They come out. We're watching the play. It's highly tense. The season's on the line. The comeback's on the line. Everything's on the line. And all of a sudden the play breaks. Timeout. Doug Peterson. Now, that's unusual. Sometimes the defense will make that. like They don't like what they see. Obviously, the defense is the team reacting to what the offense is called. Doug Peterson, I think this is gutsy, man. And it just shows coaching acumen and confidence. He calls a play. Clearly, the Chargers, whatever they were out there prepared for and running defensively, was the right play call. And he's like, nope, nope, timeout. We're going to reset this. We're going to redo this. Then they run the ball to Travis. Travis Etienne, and he goes to the right side, if I remember right, for 24, 25 yards. Ball game basically over. Although I did hold my breath for what was a chip of a field goal because it was one of those tense moments. That is a, it's a great comeback. And I actually think Jacksonville can beat the Chiefs. I don't think they will. Chiefs are the favorite. Chiefs, I think, are going to win. I like the Chiefs against the Niners in the Super Bowl, like we discussed last week in the predictions we did that don't mean anything unless it happens, and you can pretend how smart you are, even though all the other predictions people don't bring up. But that Jacksonville team is playing with, with house money now. And, and Trevor Lawrence has, has experienced and seen in the playoffs what it is to play an extraordinary transcendent level of football in the second half. And, and the Chiefs can, can, play, can play kind of slow. So I'm, I'm, I'm at the start of a game. I'm not writing Jacksonville off. I'm not. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they've got a puncher's chance. I really do. But that victory, that decision to go for two, that ability of Jacksonville's defense to to turn the Chargers into mush in the second half, that willingness by Doug Peterson to be bold and tactically sound, to see later in the game, oh man, we have the wrong play call here, let's do something different. And that win is, is more than just a playoff win that gets you against the Chiefs next weekend at Arrowhead. It is. And, and again, I'm not writing Jacksonville off. It's the foundation of the future. It's an actual reset. The ghost of Urban Meyer literally appeared. I guess not literally because I mean his ghost would be there and he's still alive. But he appeared, the coaching ghost, in the first half of that game. And he has been, I think, extinguished completely, absolutely, permanently from Trevor Lawrence's mind and that culture. That's not easy to do. That's what that one is. That's what that comeback is. It's a reset. Chargers are going to charge her. I... I actually feel bad for them if it wasn't so thrilling to watch. All they do is lose games they shouldn't. That's all they do. Is Brandon Staley a good coach? Does not appear to be so. Is it Brandon Staley's fault? Sort of. 
Did he coach? Speaking of this theme, we got a haunted organization. Hell yeah, he did. He does. That's a, that's the job that he took. So what they do? Chargers fans go back to the fourteen and two Marty Schottenheimer season of the missed field goal. I get it. I'm with you. I'm sorry. I was friends with Marty. I got you. But still, what a moment for Jacksonville. What a weekend in the NFL. All right, eight five five two one two four CBS is the phone number. Twitter sports writer sports R E I T E R. Uh, we'll get some reaction from the guys. We'll give you what we think on the Bengals and the Bills grinding out those wins. And we got to make some time to celebrate Brock, superstar, Purdy, from Iowa State to the Bay and the height of the National Football League. Hell yeah, let's go. What a weekend in the NFL. We'll keep talking about it next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you. Thanks for being here. We got D-Cell in a flannel, man. Very flannelly. I like it. It's flannel weather here in the Northeast. I'll be there next week with you and Andrew Bogus is here. Hi, Bogus. Good morning, friends. Good weekend, best friend. Absolutely. How about you? Wonderful. My brother and his family were in town. That's right. Yeah, let's go. My brother bets a lot of money, and I tried. I'm just going to tell you, I tried. I tried to get him on that. Jacksonville money line gravy train, to, for which he mocked me, rightfully so, for the first half, but that baby turned around. I tried to get him on that Giants money line mm. gravy train that you and I talked about. Yeah. What? I mean, by the way, I want to do this in about 20 minutes, and you guys are welcome, because D-Cell, I, it wasn't really Cousin's fault. Yeah, it was. This hollow stats, the panicked final drive when he just throws the ball down the middle of the field, and then went on fourth and, well, I don't know, what is it, eight? It's fourth and eight. What I'm going to do, see, is throw it three yards to a guy that's covered by nine people. Oh no! Am I going to? Am I going to agree with D Cell here? <laughs> Come on, dude. Watch the game. He was fine when it was like, you know, he was good. Oh, I watched. But he's he's watched a loser. The, I watched the game. You know that he is a loser. They're losers. Their defense stunk. They let Daniel Jones look like. Some combination of Eli and Peyton Manning. He's elite. Didn't you hear this from some of the guys in the locker room? But um, but the singular throw on fourth down, I don't think you need that to hold against Kirk. He doesn't win games, even when he plays well. That whole game, that whole game, I was like, the, the Vikings are going to lose this game. Doesn't matter if he throws an interception or he just can't move the chains a couple times, not going to win the game. Joe Burrow knew they were going to win that football game, even though the Ra- were the Ravens up at half. They were by a point, like a point right? Ten yeah. nine. Kissing. I got a few kissing cousins text messages from people, all of whom bet, all of whom bet the Giants on the money line. Aren't you happy? Aren't you like the Giants are going to win the whole thing? Let's go. It's a run. Uh, I'm okay. I'm okay. But I'm not the judging the whole thing yet. No. Let's Why get not? through. Let's get through Philadelphia, and then I'll get geeked up. I mean, if you have to go play a one seed. A divisional rivalry game that can sometimes close the gap, and a quarterback who's good, but but we'll see what he's about in this situation. You gotta feel kind of, you gotta feel kind of optimistic about it. No, uh, I'm okay. Again, I don't. There, I told you this last week when we kept when they kept coming up. I don't think they're that good. Yeah, and you then, told me they're gonna lose. And then I yes, remember. And then yesterday they looked really good. Um, and I could certainly talk myself into, they know the Eagles, Jalen Hurts is still shaky, somebody coming off a bye this weekend's going to lose this coming weekend, so I can talk myself into a Giants win, but I'm trying to be as calm 
cool, collected as possible. So hope that kills you, Diesel. Bogus will not allow himself to even enjoy. To be fair, beating Kirk Cousins does feel like half a playoff win, but it's a whole win. No, no, no. I enjoyed it yesterday, but today's a new day. It's a whole one. We're, we're baby steps towards Saturday night. There's no reason to be worked up today. It's only Monday. What are you, Nick Saban? We celebrated for one hour. I had one and a half Miller Lights. Um, I don't like Miller Light, though. It didn't have a Miller Light. It doesn't taste good. Might have went longer than 90 minutes, but that but, was it was last night. One night. Uh, non sequitur. Back we to did business. A, Pies and Thai yesterday. You ever ordered pizza and Thai food in the same? It's an amazing combination. No. Yeah, we just mix it up. I gotta be honest, it doesn't sound like an amazing combination. First little slice of that pepperoni jalapeno garlic, and then, oh, I'm gonna have some green curry now. Amazing. Game changer. You don't see it coming like Brock Purdy, but it's just like, this works. Diesel, how you doing, buddy? You go a lot of toppings on your pizza there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Give me the garlic and the pepperoni and and like something that's hot or spicy, gardenera, wow. jalapenos this time. Yeah. Wow. Are you a cheese pizza guy? Uh, yeah, either that or I just go pepperoni. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm not real fancy with that's it. That's the craziest you get in all walks of life <laughs> is pepperoni pizza. Most of the time I go plain. Right, when you're feeling wild, when you're a little out of control. Maybe on my birthday, I don't know. There's Sometimes the, the pepperoni even gets me where it's too spicy. It's a real thing. Come on, oh, man. That's not a real thing. Yeah, Come it on, is. Man. Yeah, pepperoni's got a little kick to it. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm serious. How was your uh how was your weekend? Good? Mine was good. I didn't think uh we were gonna get the wild card weekend that we had. The uh 49ers and Seahawks first half, very competitive. Yeah. 49ers flexed on them a little bit in the second half. And the way that the Chargers Jaguars game started, I thought we were in for a uh kind of boring weekend. Not the case whatsoever. Who who surprised you the most? Like, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I, you know what? I'll take that back. I was actually surprised that I was surprised by Brock Purdy. Like, I thought he might play okay. He looked so composed. They didn't ask him to do a lot early on. But he just, that guy seems unflappable. He just seems so made for the moment. Do you think it's because he's from Iowa? Yes, Bill, it's because he's from Iowa. <laughs> like, Bogus, Bogus, you got to... You got to bring down the enthusiasm a little bit. Did I not bit. sell that one well enough? I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't. I'm just subdued across the board today. Are we you okay? Tranquilizer coming down off the giant celebration. Like, are we at the point with Brock Purdy, like where we have to start giving him the majority of the credit? Where like this is not just about Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Like Brock Purdy kept himself composed. He played well. Like, is it more than just Kyle Shanahan being an offensive genius? I'm not sure it matters for me. I think it's interesting. Maybe. I think for me, the I mean, it's the perfect situation. The question for me is now, how far do they have to go if Purdy plays well? Where you just say he's the starting quarterback next year, at least at this. He's the starting quarterback. Obviously, at any point, people can win a job for the most part. If the Niners make a Super Bowl and lose... To one of the, the three teams, you know, the the Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs, and Purdy plays pretty, pretty well. Are we? It's Brock Purdy's team, right? I Is mean, they they did that with Jimmy G, and they were ready to turn the keys over to Trey Lance. He's better than Jimmy G, maybe, like, maybe. He might be. Well, he certainly might be. He's younger and healthier, which is a huge thing right now. It's just amazing to me that they have walked themselves into another ridiculous QB controversy. First with Jimmy G and Trey Lance. 
and all the things that went through this past offseason with Jimmy not even working out with them to be safe so they can trade him. Then they've got to play him, and he plays well. He starts this 11-game winter that they're on, and now he gets hurt, and the Mr. Irrelevance won't reeled off, what, seven in a row, six in a row, collecting touchdown passes. It's it's ridiculous. His ability, like one of the things that has shocked me about him is like if you have a clean pocket – and you have a great scheme, and you have a coach who's really good at putting you in, 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 in good situations, and obviously they have a, a lot of like really talented weapons for him to utilize. Okay, and you got to make the throws. Not not every quarterback in the NFL can do that. But this guy, like, the pocket breaks down every, every week. There's a play. He's under pressure, and, and he somehow, as if he's been playing this game forever, finds a way to just escape that pressure and make some really big-time, big-time throw. I mean, it's like... This guy looks like a, a dude who's been playing quarterback in the NFL for three or four years. It's it's amazing. And I don't think we can, you know, just shove to the side how well the 49ers are able to implement whatever quarterback it is. Now, Trey Lance didn't really, you know, there's not a big sample size there. Whether it's Jimmy G, whether it's Brock Purdy, like, it speaks to how well the 49ers do everything else around the quarterback. Their defense is obviously elite. The rest of their offensive weapons gives their quarterback a chance. Their head coach knows what he's doing. Like, the 49ers, up, all the way up to their GM, John Lynch, do a great job. They put that quarterback, that Mr. Irrelevant, in a great position to succeed. Right, which goes back to your original question, and I understand Kyle Shanahan's history. But right now, in the moment, present time, we're coming off a weekend scratching our head about decisions on third down, on fourth down, clock management, and Kyle Shanahan is basically throwing perfect games for the last two-plus months, yeah. navigating through Jimmy G and now Brock Purdy, never putting them in a bad spot, calling the right things, being creative, using his guys correctly, and relying on a really talented roster. I think they had the most all-pro selections, first and second team, than anybody else, which tells you just how deep the roster is. So he's not messing it up being in charge of them right now. And I think it's worth, in praise of Purdy, pointing out it, the defense is elite. But but it's not like the defense came out and won the game in the first or second quarter. If I, they were down at half, right? Or they were either up or down a point nope, They half. were down 17-16 and a half. Right. And right. So da- Seattle was driving for more important points when Geno fumbled. That's right. So, like, Purdy goes into halftime as the quarterback of a team that's, I think, supposed to, for most of us, if not make the Super Bowl, certainly get to the game where you can play for that Super Bowl. There's a lot of pressure to win this game. You're supposed to beat Seattle. Goes in halftime down, not playing badly, but just not doing it. And and he comes out at half and he, and he plays at an incredibly high level. I mean, that's – I just think it's different than if, if they had gone out there and they had gotten up 17-3 to or the defense had turned over Seattle two times and set up a short field. This This was a game that Brock Purdy had to help his team win. He wasn't just a passenger. And maybe that's Shanahan. Maybe here's the other question I'll ask you guys. Like, and I know where I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm interested in the idea. If if the Niners make or win a Super Bowl, let's say they don't win it, they make a Super Bowl or they lose a great game in the NFC Championship game to say the Eagles, whatever. And Purdy plays the way that he's playing, plays really well, doesn't have terrible turnovers. If the Niners decided to trade him, right? They're just like, you know what? We're going to go Trey Lance, or we're going to bring in Aaron, Aaron Rodgers wants to be a Niner, whatever. I know that there's a market, right? People are now trading for and giving up assets for the guy that was drafted last in the draft? Does that seem like a reasonable reality? I think that's a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. 
he's definitely will definitely have value. He probably does already right now because teams are assuming that the, Nin- the Niners can't recoup what they paid to get Trey Lance. Right. So that might mean they have to keep Trey Lance and get anything for Brock Purdy because anything for Brock Purdy that's better than the last pick in the draft is an improvement on your investment in him. And I still, you know, I, I still think as great as he's been, this is not. There's no guarantee that this is only going up from here. I mean, the bottom can drop out at any moment. Yeah, he could go back to being the last pick in the draft, and there might just be a hiccup coming in. Seattle wasn't capable of doing it, um, but it's it's fascinating what they're going to do because they clearly have to do something this off season, or let just Brock be a really enticing backup, I guess, to Trey Lance. It's, it's really interesting, and, and I know there's no way to actually know this, but I would love to know. What Kyle Shanahan, he may be wrong, he may be right, actually thinks. Does he think we have something in Brock Purdy? Or does he think, I am so good at my job, I, Kyle Shanahan, I can make anybody. I am the reason Brock Purdy looks this way. And once I get the guy that I want, the sky's the freaking limit. Well, they thought they had the guy they wanted. They think they got, and they might still think the guy's Trey Lance. And they think it is, and they think he's going to be healthy. What if Aaron Rodgers comes calling, too? I know the, was it Friday or Saturday, d where the, the Packers said the obvious, we would like him back. By the way, can I just say, they're always going to say that. There's never, they're never going to come out and be like, hey, we just, we're over this guy. But I don't think it's unreasonable that Aaron Rodgers could decide he wants to be a Niner. And if he, and, and, and I don't, I don't think it works. I think Kyle Shanahan's too much of a control freak with the way that he runs the offense. But that's certainly a conversation in that in that organization. If Aaron Rodgers decides he wants to be a Niner, a deja vu kind of feeling here. Once before, presenting in a future <laughs> Hall of Fame veteran quarterback nearing the end, wanting to go to the Niners, who had already QBs that they liked on the roster. I feel like somebody picked Trey Lance over Tom Brady at one point. Yeah, to what, but to what Bill just said, though, I think I would have the same exact response where I would say oh, thanks, thank but no thanks. Okay, good. You would take you would take Brock Purdy or Trey Lance. I'm not sure which one you're you're, you're coveting here Both. over Aaron Rodgers. I would because a lot of because of what you just said. I think Kyle Shanahan plus Aaron Rodgers equals drama. I think there's something to be said for that. Unless Aaron Rodgers has changed his mindset where he just wants to win be- another Super Bowl before he retires because he knows deep down he's not the same player that he was. He's not an MVP candidate anymore. You put him on that 49ers team, they probably are a really good team based off of what we're seeing with you Brock so? Purdy. You think the, they are. They absolutely are. But at some point, yeah. whether it's a bad loss, a bad interception, something between Aaron Rodgers and Kyle Shannon I think could cause friction where you're not going to get that with a young Trey Lance, with a Mr. Irrelevant in Brock Purdy. I mean, they have an elite tight end. They have an elite running back. They have an elite receiver. They have Debo, which, other than the tight end, sort of qualifies as an elite of both of those. I think Aaron Rodgers could be pretty good on that on that roster. There's always the drama factor, though. I'm just happy you're consistent. If you had you picked Rodgers over these two, we would have had a fight. Don't do that. You guys have been best friends for. I know. Are Tom Brady or? Or Aaron Rodgers, the same quarterback that they were even a season ago. Either no, one but they're both still, well, at least Rodgers is better it's, than Brock Purdy. But it's the, not 40, bi- the 49ers, it's not binary, dude. they're not having quarterback issues right now, so why why mess with it? Well, because they could have better quarterback Let's play. see if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, if they lose in the next, who do they have next? They got the winner of tonight's game, Tampa Bay Cowboys winner, right? Because of the rec- it's set. If I mean, they're not losing. I mean, the Cowboys aren't winning tonight. 
By the way, listener Bryce did he did parlay the Vikings, the Giants money line, and the the Bucks money line, purely based on my conviction that Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott suck even when they're good. <laughs> I know you don't buy it, Bogus, but you're wrong, Bogus. Let's go. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay beats the Niners. All bets are off, man. Process over results. Yeah. How about results over everything else? That's, that's, that <laughs> sound is an approach. Uh, all right, you guys got any more any more takeaways before we uh, roll on to me just really fairly criticizing Kirk Cousins for, for his team's loss? No, you do you. You sure? You got anything else? No, I'm good. Did you make any money this weekend? Did you, make any, did you put any bets down? I didn't make or lose or win or nothing. No money. Ditto. Yeah. I know, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> you should right. know with me as well, but at least there's an there's outside chance of me forgetting my principles and, and betting money on these games. <laughs> I'm just saying, is Tampa, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the Tampa Bay game yet. I don't know if I'll bet it. But if I did, it is, Tam, it is Tampa Bay on the money line. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, the thing is, Tom Brady just—he looks like he's—he just looks a hundred and two. I agree. That's what I've been trying to say. I mean, he actually—the other day I was wondering if they were pulling a weekend at Bernie's. It just like—is—is is, <laughs> you know? Have you seen that movie? I Tom? have. Yes, I have. Okay. Oh, I got a laugh, but I figured you had no idea what I was talking about. No, if I hadn't seen it, I would have uh, not made eye contact with you. <laughs> God, God. All right. Um, in praise of uh, Kirk Cousins. No, not really. Kirk Cousins is a bum. And, and we're going to talk about that here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogish. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. Bill Ryder with you on this Monday, on this holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hope you are, um, hope you are off. Hope you're hanging out with your family. Hope you're having whatever downtime three-day weekend that you uh you were hoping for, we are working, we are here for you, and we appreciate you listening to the show as part of this day. And, so you know, I think you're going to be excited to hear this, this, the one we're in, this NFL postseason, every Westwood One NFL broadcast streams live for free, all on the road to Super Bowl 57. Catch all the action on the Odyssey app, on the westwoodonesports.com. Uh, via Westwood One Station streams or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. It's all sponsored by AutoZone. Free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes AutoZone America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone. AutoZone. I love the road to Super Bowl 57. So many roads lead there. Technically speaking, that road is... Is it 70 that goes to Super Bowl 57 to Phoenix? I don't know my interstates well enough. I think it might be. I think 80 goes a little further north, Tom. Uh, So are we to assume that someone is driving on the road to Super Bowl 57? I mean, there's just a lot of things. I mean, I guess, like, you could technically, you could fly over the road, right? Like, on the road to the airwaves, airways. Of America. I don't know who's going to drive. In the past, CBS told me, and I will tell America, that Patrick Mahomes would drive his team to various places. So maybe maybe if, if they can win a couple games, the Chiefs will drive. Patrick Mahomes will drive the Chiefs to Phoenix, Arizona. I will be at the Super Bowl next month for 
I think three days is what we're gonna. We're gonna. It's gonna be a fun little little week, a little NBA uh, trade deadline. So I'll be doing that over on CBS Sports HQ and CBS Sports HQ Spotlight. Spotlight is yeah, I think I got it right. And uh, and some and some Super Bowl magic as well. All right, so this. Um, Hi, excuse me, I apologize, because if you're the road to the Super Bowl, you want the credit you deserve. Like, roads have good days, they have bad days. Interstate 10 is actually the road to the Super Bowl, it appears, as is 17. There you go. You need to know the directions if you're going to drive on the road. The road to Super Bowl 57 is uh is happening. All right, so... um. Kirk Cousins had, statistically speaking, a fine game. And he did not, at least in terms of the stats, look like a complete bum, as I said last segment. And I understand that this is a Vikings defense that gave up, what, 31 points, 31 total to a 9-7-1 Giants team? Is that right? But it's also... A Vikings team. I know they were down early, but it was, it was, I think, 17. I think the Giants were up at half seven, if I remember this right. 17-14 at half. And Kirk Cousins was able to muster 10 points to tack on to that. It's fine. It's satisfactory. He had a couple touchdown passes. He ran one in, too, if I, if I, if I remember this right. So we had three touchdowns overall. But that's not, it's not fantasy sports. The goal is to, and I, I probably got to look this up, so Diesel, you just jump in if I got this wrong, because it's pretty technical football stuff. The goal is to score more points for your team than the opposing team scores. So, like, let me do a little, like, this is, let me demonstrate. If the other team scores 50, Kirk, or anyone out there, you got to sp- score the 51, right? But if, but if the other team scores three, technically two safeties, four points, gets you the win. You could, it's math. He didn't get it. He didn't get it done, man. He he didn't do enough. And and I know that he played fine, but this is what Kirk Cousins does, man. It's all empty calories for me. Th- there are two ways, and it annoys me. There are two ways to watch the game. There's the box score watching, and and people who watch the games also box score watch. And there's actually just what went down and what happened. In the end of the day, you find a way to win. And and Trevor Lawrence has some gaudy offensive stats in his box score, but he also had four interceptions, right? It was and we talked about this. It's a tale of of two games. Two halves, two quarterbacks, really, both named Trevor Lawrence, the, the the Urban Meyer version and the Doug Peterson slash, thank God Urban is gone, I feel so much better about my life and career version. But Trevor Lawrence found a way to win the football game. The four touchdown passes are great, yeah, and the four interceptions are problematic, yeah, but the real thing is Trevor Lawrence under duress and under pressure, getting some of those box score stats in the second half, converting two-point conversions, moving the ball, being part of an offense. I know there was a run play that on the fourth and one, whatever, getting it done and playing at a level that allowed his team and his defense to feel like, you know what, maybe. Like, as you chip away, some of that momentum matters and belief in the quarterback matters. And, and to me, when I watch the Vikings play, when I watch them play this year, when I watch this game, I don't have overwhelming confidence in Kirk Cousins. I feel like he's going to lose the football game. I feel like there's almost relief sometimes for Kirk Cousins when his team is down 10 or 14 points because suddenly the pressure's off. And I know Andrew Bogus, who I admire and respect and think is wonderful, thought it's unfair to point to Kirk Cousins with one, you know, a couple bad throws at the end of the game. I, I'll agree to disagree. You are the Minnesota Vikings. You won 13 games, even if it seemed like and looked like and actually was a statistical anomaly. You're playing a Giants team that is vulnerable and beatable. 
you're doing it at home, go out there, take a couple of possessions by the scruff of the neck, and drag your team to a freaking suit. Touchdown, man. Take over the game to a degree. You are talented enough. And he got he got out tooled. He got out tooled by Daniel Jones. I can't remember if it was on this show, Tom, or a buddy, or CBS Sports HQ. I, I honestly just can't remember. But I remember somebody saying, "Well, I mean, it's not like it's not like Daniel Jones." When I was saying I don't trust Kirk Cousins, it's not like Daniel Jones is a proven postseason commodity. He is the moment he laces up and looks across the field and sees he's playing Kirk Cousins. It's enough to make anybody feel like they're Tom Brady. Oh, that because guys know. And that's the other thing. Guys know. And I know it's there's no way to just prove what I'm going to say, so it's obnoxious. But if you do, if you go out and you hang out with guys who play in the NFL, or you're around them at a media event, if you know guys well enough, or you catch them drinking, whatever, you find a moment of candor, and you get a little off-the-record Kirk Cousins conversation, they're not going to come to his defense. They will come to the defense of guys that, that maybe I don't buy. Kirk Cousins, people just don't trust him and believe in him. He was efficient. He had a couple. He had three touchdowns, if you include the rushing touchdown. They lost a game they shouldn't have at home, and he was the quarterback. Kirk kissing Cousins. That's it, Diesel. I know your team. I didn't give enough time. I know your team, Kirk. You love this guy. I'm not Team Kirk overall. Love him. I didn't think he was the reason they lost yesterday. Nor the reason they won. Absolutely. Absolutely. His, jo- his job is to be the reason they win. That's part of the job. They had a guy a few years ago when they made an NFC Championship game. Who was exact? Another reason they lost. Supposed to Case Keenum. Supposed to be the reason they win. My heart on Kirk Cousins. Yes, is Kirk Cousins hard on every team he plays for by his mere illusion and presence. Yes, it all comes out in the wash, which is a dumb expression because no, it doesn't. Brian McFadden joins us next year on CBS Sports Radio.